If you want to turn there, I'll be in Genesis 2 today. Um, but before I go there, uh, what I'm about to say might not be popular with with some of the hardliners. But uh, we talk about how Scripture is the inspired Word of God. I will say that Scripture is inspired and it is His words... But Jesus Christ is the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit, His purpose is to lead us to Christ. He does that by illuminating Scripture. I guess I, guess I say all that to say there, there are different ways of preaching. There's expository where you take a passage and, and you kind of open it up and, and expand it. There's exegetical where you go word for word. But then there's topical where maybe the Lord lays something on your heart and, and there's, a, there's a passage of Scripture that may or may not be in a context, but the Lord uses that to teach an object lesson. And the, the danger in that is if you start taking Scripture out of context a lot, you can fall into a trap of teaching falsely, teaching falsehoods. Um, but as we kind of discussed in Sunday school, one of the hallmarks of a, of a false teaching is that a false teaching will promote a personal or self-centered agenda as opposed to directing someone toward Christ. So I'm going to take this out of out of context today and I'm trusting I'm I'm praying that that what the Lord has given me is is an object lesson that points us toward him. Because if that's the, if that's the case then then that's a true message and that is an accurate use of scripture. Uh, but in Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 I'll just read a few verses. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found that helped meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man." Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. There's a lot of commentary that is available on how you could how you could explore that. Um, But what's on my mind today is a little different. I want to talk about the choices that we get to make. Um, so we, and rightfully so, we, tr- we strive to follow the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit. 
But sometimes the way that we look at that can be paralyzing because we'll take it almost too, too literally. It's, it's almost like that passage that says, pray without ceasing. How does someone pray without ceasing? You can't just walk around with your head down. You can't spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week on your knees and on your face before God. You can't do the work he's called you to do if you do that. So how do you pray without ceasing? And if you don't do that, then aren't you in violation of a command of Scripture? Well, we kind of know that there has to be something more to that. And, and part of the Christian walk is, is exploring how do you pray without ceasing but still live this life that God has given us and do the work he's called us to do. And we explore that and find that out. So we know that that is not a literal command. And yet sometimes when, we're told to walk, when we are told to walk in the Spirit, we don't take that the same way. In our quest to follow the Spirit where He leads, sometimes we get paralyzed into inaction because we don't necessarily see that He's leading anywhere. And some time ago, I, I, tried, to, I tried to give a message about stones. You know, how, how, how we've got to get rolling because it's easier to move a stone once it's in motion because of inertia. And this kind of goes along those same lines in that there are those times when we don't have specific direction from God in, in which way to go or, or where to go or even whether or not to go. There are times that God just allows us to make choices. And what struck me on this is we see here that God brought all of the animals to Adam and scripture says he brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. Just to see what he would call them. It's kind of hidden in that well-known story. And we kind of don't think much about it because we know that for us an elephant has always been an elephant. And it doesn't seem to be all that earth-shattering and, and until you find yourself, like me, wanting to go where God wants me to go. Afraid to make a wrong move. And because of that, almost afraid to make any move. But sometimes, God brings choices to us brings things to us just to see what we'll do. Not that any of them are wrong, and maybe some are better than others, but all are okay. He brings things to us to see what we'll do. And this is important for us if we find ourselves paralyzed with that fear of feeling like, well, I don't have a specific leading, so maybe I shouldn't go there. I'm not led there. Maybe I shouldn't go there. I'm not led here. Maybe I shouldn't go here. Oh, there, there are five opportunities, five doors that I could go through, but I don't have any direction on which one, so I won't go through any. 
you may not get direction on which one because maybe all of them are valid. And maybe God is just sitting back saying, look, I've brought you all these doors. What are you going to do? That should be freeing. That should be freeing for us to know that sometimes the choices that we make are okay. That there's not necessarily always a right choice and a wrong choice. Sometimes it's just a decision that we make in our efforts to follow the Lord. It's also a little bit frightening. Because there are those times where we do have you know, what seems like a direct revelation. We have a clear leading from the Lord to go this direction or that direction or to make this move and that move. So then when we don't and it's more doubtful, it's kind of a fearful thing because, Lord, I've been leaning on you this whole time. You've led me here and then you've led me here. Where is your voice leading me the next step? And it's a, it's a fearful thing, but we need to understand that sometimes the choices are brought to us and the Lord wants to see what we will do. Now I also know in saying that, that the Lord does have a plan for us. The Lord has seen the end from the beginning. He knows the choices that we'll make, but His, his foreknowledge does not necessarily equate with foreordaining. The fact that he knows what choices we will make does not necessarily mean that he's made those choices for us. So he has seen the end from the beginning. He knows what choices we'll make and he has a plan for us. He has a beautifully orchestrated way in which he expects for our lives to reveal his work in our lives, to reveal himself through us to the world. The reason we are his people is so that we can honor and glorify him, so that we bring honor and glory to his name. He has a plan to make that happen. And we see that in this passage too, because at the very beginning of what I read, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. We see that God in his wisdom, he has a plan in his mind. He's not talking to Adam. He's talking with himself and he says, I have a plan. It's not enough for this man to be alone. I'm going to do something. I'm going to reveal something that will satisfy him and make him complete. And eventually he did because we see that after Adam named all of the animals, then God took a rib and made woman. But before God could complete his plan, there was a process that Adam had to go through. He had to make some decisions. He had to to make some choices. He had to name all of these animals. And there are different commentaries for why that may be regarding, you know, signifying his dominion over them and dominion over the earth and 
But one of the more interesting ones that I saw and seems plausible is that in doing this, Adam also knew that it wasn't good for him to be alone. Adam knew that he was by himself. But as all of these animals come to him, and he names them, he sees them, he sees their characteristics, he sees their behaviors, he sees what they're like, and he realizes, realizes none of these are like me. I'm different. Now, I don't know what he saw in them. You know, there are commentaries on that too. But the thing is, in addition to naming the animals, it was a learning experience for him and seeing how he is, how he is different, how he is called out from the rest of the animals, how he is distinct from everything else in creation. Sometimes we have to have that education too. Sometimes in our quest to see God's plan unveiled for us and what God has planned for us, we have to have these things presented to us and we have to make some decisions and go down certain paths in order for us to see that none of these is it. How many of us have been there? I've made many of those decisions. I chose to pursue a degree in music. And then I chose to pursue another degree in music. And I had plans at one point to go for another degree in music because my goal was to have that terminal degree and to be a... a, a, a teaching artist. I thought that my voice teacher at Southern Miss had the best job in the whole world. She got to teach students in part knowledge, but she was also active in, in opera companies throughout the United States, and she still does um, teaching around the world. I thought that was an awesome job. And that was my goal. So I made choices at the time, unwittingly. I, I didn't realize that it would... I only see it in, in seeing this, that the, this is how this has played out in my life. None of those were wrong decisions. It was not wrong of me to pursue this degree or that degree or to go after this dream or that goal. But in the end, they all led to the conclusion that this was not enough, that it didn't satisfy, that I needed something more. And so perhaps... Perhaps if any of those choices had been different, maybe I wouldn't be where I am now. Maybe I never would have been brought to a place where the Lord revealed to me that what you're looking for is you need to submit to my call on your life. Maybe if choices with relationships earlier in my life had been different, I may never have met Jessica, I may never have had the wife that I have and the beautiful children and this family and this church family. And you could say that's God's providence and I'm sure that it is, but who's to say that he didn't work through the decisions that he brought 
to me where I had to make a choice, not paralyzed by fear, waiting on a leading that was never going to come because he wanted to see what I'd do. But the other part of that is, in all of those choices for for Adam, and, and, and God seeing what he would do with each of the animals, Adam still comes to the realization that none of this fulfills. I'm still not fulfilled. And at the end of that, when Adam still realizes there is not a help meet for me, that's when he's able to surrender to the Lord. And the Lord puts him on a deep sleep. And then we know the rest of the story. He takes a rib and makes a woman. And then Adam's response is, this is now bone of my bones. And we look at that as you know, you know, biologically true if he took Adam's rib. But what is Adam really saying? This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. This is what I've been looking for. This is what's meat for me. This is what completes me. But it can only be provided by the hand of God. The full revelation of God's plan, well, maybe not full through eternity, but the, the revelation of God's plan for Adam at that point in time was finally revealed. When Adam came to the end of himself, he'd made all the decisions that he could make, seen that there was nothing there that satisfied. Then the Lord could provide that final piece of the puzzle. And maybe that's true for us in our lives. Maybe when we're paralyzed with fear because we just don't see what God is doing or he's not making it clear... Maybe we just need to look at the opportunities that he's brought to us and make some choices. Trust that God has a plan. That he wants to reveal himself to us. But he also wants to reveal himself to the world through us. He wants to use us if we will surrender to him and allow him to. But maybe before then we have some learning to do, some self-exploration to do and maybe God is just presenting things to us to see what we'll do so maybe it's time for us to stop being paralyzed by fear that we'll make a wrong decision trust that we do have the Holy Spirit of God see right before then Adam was given another choice but the choice was God said Of every tree in the garden you may eat except this one. Don't eat that one. So he still had a choice. But the leadership was pretty clear. Don't eat that tree. So sometimes in our lives we'll have these choices and there will be this idea of you've got all these choices. You can choose any of them but not that one. Don't do that one. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us if we're saved. The Holy Spirit of God will deter us from something that is known sin. 
We can trust that. And if we're not deterred like that, then we can know that other options are okay. We don't have to wait for the divining stick to point us in the right direction. You know those water sticks they used to have that they looked for water in? We don't have to take that to the doors and look for where it leads. Maybe God is just wanting to see what we'll do. That goes for us as a church too, and it goes for all of the Lord's churches. That sometimes we get paralyzed in, in inactivity, waiting to see what God wants us to do, where He wants us to go, what action He wants us to take, what mission He wants us to undertake, what work He wants us to do. And until there's a divine revelation exactly to that, we just won't do anything because we don't want to get ahead of God. And that's a well-meaning sentiment, but if you really think about it, that's a, that's a rather stupid thing to say. I don't know a, a more PC way to say it. How can you get ahead of someone who's seen the end from the beginning, who is omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent? You can't get ahead of him. Now again, if you have different options as a body for something to do. And one of those options, the Holy Spirit says, all these are okay, but not that one. Well, don't do that one. But don't be afraid to do anything because the answer's not clear. Maybe the Lord just wants to see what you'll do. Just like with Adam. When he brought the animals to him, he didn't say, now name the animals this. When you see the lion, that's a lion, Adam. Call it a lion. He didn't say that. It's, it's, I'm just amazed by how simply that is put, but the implications that, that it's had in my mind, that he brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. Sometimes he just wants to see what we'll do. And maybe some decisions would be better than others. Maybe some options would be better than others. But at the end of it, God will use all of those experiences and all of those decisions to bring us to a place where eventually he'll say, here's what will really satisfy Here's how I will reveal my plan to you. At this point, now that you've gone down this road and you've done this and you've learned some things, now I can reveal another part of my plan to you. We're looking for this end over here sometimes when there's a lot here in the middle that we have to experience and learn before we can be ready to receive this. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for direction. I'm saying that we shouldn't be paralyzed when those prayers aren't answered in the way that we think they should be with a divine voice from heaven saying, do thus. Because it may not come that way. And in all likelihood, probably won't. 
because we all have a lot to learn. But at the same time that I'm saying that we shouldn't be paralyzed by fear and that we should be willing to make choices in in the directions that we want to go in our lives as we seek to serve the Lord. Now let me make that clear. I'm talking about as we seek to serve the Lord, not making choices based on our own agendas. But as we seek to serve the Lord, the the choices that we can make in life that will help us most to do that. We shouldn't be paralyzed by fear, but we also shouldn't be flippant in our decisions. Because another thing that strikes me is, he says, "And, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. You know, Shakespeare said um, in one of his, would a rose by any other name still smell as sweet? Well, yes, it would, but to us it's a rose. And in, in our minds, we know that a rose is a rose. And if someone brought you a rose and called it a tulip, you would correct them, would you not? And we can't hear the word lion and picture a rhinoceros. Because those names, and now I know I'm not naive enough to think that Adam necessarily spoke English and called a lion a lion. But I'm making the point here that those names have stuck with us and with our culture. And when you see a lion you have a very specific image in your mind of number one, what you call it, number two, how it behaves, number three, what kind of creature it is. Now, because of cartoons, children sometimes have to learn that lions are not friendly, but I dare say any of us, if we saw one, we wouldn't walk up to it to pet it. Because we know. Adam was supposed to live forever. Adam was supposed to live forever. So I don't think he was thinking of thousands of years down the line that the choice he made in naming the animals would leave a legacy that is so permanent. And yet what he chose to call each animal has transcended his time and has shaped our understanding of the animal kingdom and of creation. The choices we make will define our lives. Yes, they will define our service to the Lord. They will define how the Lord uses us in his ministry. But it will go beyond that. The decisions that we make, the choices that we make, will leave permanent, indelible marks in our children's lives. And then also in their children's lives. And then in their children's lives. The decisions that we make as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ will leave an indelible mark on the next generation of this church. 
and on the next generation of this church. It will leave an indelible mark on the perpetuity of this church, the character of it going forward. But not only that, it will leave an indelible mark on the world, on the community in which we are, the community in which we serve the Lord, the choices we make in how to serve the Lord will leave a lasting mark and influence on the community we're serving. That's heavy. That's heavy when we think about it. If we think about it that way, it sure makes us not want to be flippant with the choices that we make. But it also underscores the need to not be paralyzed by fear. Because if we're scared to make any decisions, any choices, we lose the opportunity to make any kind of indelible mark. Or the indelible influence that we leave on our community is one of inaction and one of fear. And we say we follow the one who changed the world with 12 ordinary men, and yet we've changed nothing. How well did we follow? Where was the power of the gospel working through that congregation that was too paralyzed to make a move? And the same for us individually. Where was the power of the gospel in our lives if we didn't make decisions that somehow left a mark that made our children and their children and their children different? Where was the power of the gospel if we didn't make decisions that illuminated a dark world? And I understand that we want to see what God's will is. We want to see His plan unveiled and unfold. The thing is, it's sometimes in those choices where He just wants to see what we'll do that He is unfolding His plan. Unfolding is a process. It's just a tiny little phrase hidden in the creation story to see what he would call them. Jessica asked me last night, does that mean God didn't know what he would call them? No. Again, just because his foreknowledge is not the same as foreordination. He knew what he'd call them, but he didn't tell him what to call them. He wanted to see what he'd do. Because it was in seeing what he would do that God was able to teach Adam and prepare him to receive the more full unveiling of his plan in woman. And at the end of that process, then Adam could say, now I understand, and now I'm complete. How different would it have been if God just said, it's not good for you to be alone. Here, have a woman. I don't know. We can't know. But there was a lesson there that Adam needed to learn. I don't know the ramifications of that. That's not my purpose for today. 
but there are lessons that we need to learn and the decisions that we're given to make and it's okay to make decisions from time to time it's okay even if the doors aren't open that need to be open and the ones shut that need to be shut if they're all standing wide open it's okay to choose one sometimes and if they're all shut sometimes it's okay to open one because if we don't need to go through it through that voice of the Holy Spirit within us we'll find that door locked now if we force it open that's a different thing but we need not be afraid to make some decisions it is not a refusal or a failure to walk in the spirit to make a decision now and then just like it's not a refusal or failure to pray without ceasing that we get up to eat breakfast it would be silly to think so it's a matter of it's a matter of daily conversation and by conversation i mean that in the biblical sense daily lifestyle do you live a life of prayer but do you live a lifestyle that seeks to follow the spirit's leading if you do, then you're walking in the Spirit. And sometimes the Spirit needs to teach us something by saying, here, make a choice. So let's not be paralyzed, but let's not be flippant. The decisions we make, they'll lead to what we're looking for eventually as we earnestly seek to follow the Lord in our decisions but they will also define our legacy. Individually, as a church, as a nation, and on up it goes. It's a great responsibility, but the Lord helps. Again, that's, there's a disclaimer. As long as we are earnestly trying to follow the Lord, the Lord helps. We need not be afraid. Sometimes he just wants to see what we'll do.